dear friends, welcome back to the Pearl Dialogues. My name is Wazi, and together with Elin, I host this podcast. Here we explore the nature of reality through the lens of the Diamond Approach. This is a student-led initiative, and it's also hosted by the Youth Council of this school. If you're in, unfamiliar or new to this work, you can check out the descriptions in our show notes where we have an intro to the Diamond Approach and also other resources. In today's episode, we converse with Anne-Marie in London. And what we explore is parenting, being a parent while also doing spiritual work. We also talk about the superego and how to deal with the superego and what significance it can give to our lives and our freedom doing that work. And Marie is also very passionate about inclusivity when it comes to ethnicity, different types of backgrounds. So that's also something we talk about. It's a very lovely conversation in my experience. One thing I want to say is for those of you who have listened to several episodes and feel moved to give us some feedback about your experience, there is a Google form in our show notes and I would be happy to hear from you. As always, I invite you to sense your arms and legs while listening. That's all I have to say. Much love. For me, the, the teaching is about including everything. And therefore, the freedom is when there is space for everyone too. So that's, so I notice and my, my work like um, is very much in the world, you know? So part of my love, my, my main love of the diamond approach is straddling this being in the world but not of the world, you know, that for me is, so inclusivity and diversity is just become more and more the bedrock of my spiritual awakening, actually. It's not separate. It, it started in my Irish roots in campaigning around, you know, the Ireland I grew up in was quite conservative. Uh, so it it campaigning around women's rights and autonomy and then kind of now my work as a body psychotherapist is about intersectionality you know working with the body and intersectionality so I I have a deep passion for for that understanding and I think it's really important as part of our waking up that we're looking including as part of our pearl development places where we're we're not awake and what that means you know as a white woman as an older woman as a mother and you know uh, I'm particularly influenced personally and you know I think my my eldest daughter is very disabled and but she's also my red thread to the work. You know, she's the she's the, the kind of she some combination of working with the feelings is exactly 
why I'm here. So, you know, I think that's a short-ish explanation of the, the threads that have come. And then you open this thread around disability and then you think, oh, what about race? What about class? What about, you know, whiteness in the school? But it is all coming from a deep belief in including everything at the root of the teaching. How does that resonate in you, Aileen? Yeah, I felt very... I like what you're saying, Anne-Marie is touching me. I also feel sadness <laughs> for when you talked about the story of of Ireland and women's rights. And I mean, I'm very young, but it's still, I still know a bit about it, how it was. And it's like I could feel this important journey of being more allowing, more inclusive, for example, not taking kids away from their mothers just because they're deemed unworthy in the eyes of the church, for example, and all that things that happened. And so that was what started to echo in me when, when you spoke. And, and I think about, yeah, how important the work is to kind of face injustice in a way. Yeah. And I feel it in my chest. It's like, yeah. And it's very sad. And it's also very real. And it's very important. And it's not entirely comfortable. Mm. See? Mm. Yeah, what I'm currently reading the biography about Nelson Mandela. Yeah. I'm reading about the apartheid in South Africa, and I've been studying the mm -hmm. Second World War uh, recently and the 20th century. So I can relate to this in my own way. Um, I, I, I was fortunate enough, although I grew up in an environment where I was surrounded by primarily, I mean, more or less only white people um, because I grew up in Norway uh, some uh, 30 40 minutes outside of Oslo but fortunately I was never plagued by racism so although I have a skin color that is brown I don't feel that I'm traumatized in the same way that a lot of people of color, for example, are particularly in the United States or in countries that has experienced slavery in particular, where there is this inferiority, superiority dynamics playing out and institutionalized um, discrimination, uh, where the flow of resources are very much flowing into one race and one category of human beings while others receive next to nothing and are exploited so this topic um, of actually um, living for uh, 
or contributing in that direction of, of justice and, and true equality and heart is something I burn for actually. Um, so I notice in me a sense of both an expansion and a sense of dedication to that cause. Yeah. And, and I feel like from my own experience, you know, the, so the work changes us and opens us and brings a different understanding, but, you know, also there, there is a deep spirituality in Ireland. I want to include that. And actually there was, there has been a huge shift, you know, like huge shift which hasn't happened in many European countries, you know, huge shift in terms of, um, you know, just women's rights, abortion, gay marriage. And so that there has been a real working of the split between the church on some level. There's still a lot of problems, but it is, there is something coming forward as well. And that's inspiring. And that is, that's the the generation after me <laughs> that are responsible for that. Yeah. Do I feel a sense of optimism there? I do. You know, it's sort of you know, and um, and I I I believe that you know the the development within our school within Ridwan is also you know there's movements happening that feel important you know being on it's it's a slow process but it's important you know that I'm also part of you probably have heard of EC you know inclusive cultural inquiry where students are coming together every month in the school to look at these issues to include them in their practice to include that in the understanding in the unfoldment of the teaching so I do feel some optimism in this moment yeah, I have a I have a burning curiosity here. So, to some extent, or and to a large extent, we're talking about prejudice and also judgment. And I'm wondering, and clearly, this is something we can observe in in the course and history of humanity. And I'm wondering, in your own personal journey, have you confronted some of your own prejudice and some your own judgment on this journey of transformation uh, and in this exploration of the theme of inclusivity? Could you share on that? <laughs> yeah, it starts with me. You know, it has to start with me, you know. So um, that's what the teaching is about at its core. And so... And I think because of my work, uh, you know, there there is, it's a big story that like, you know, there's, when you're in Ireland, there was very little understanding of difference to do with skin color, because a bit like it was very homogenous, you know, it was Catholic white, that's what I grew up with, yeah, so it wasn't, there wasn't much difference, so you know, really working on and seeing took me quite a journey to open to how I am as a white person. It took a long time to understand that. Just subtly, I like the power of it that's there, that's in the colonial journey. I didn't even realize 
but I held it in my body, you know, so it's like the white body supremacy in my body, how how my whiteness, I would say I've done a lot of work around that, how my whiteness ambushes and, you know, and learned through challenge, good challenge to come to my belly and to feel that and to work that material, you know, and use the resources outside of the school to work that material, but yeah. Also around disability, you know, it's so, we're so, we're so conditioned towards a normative body. So it's hard, we don't even notice how we are opting towards that. And then what does that mean? What are we not including? So but there's, it's been a long journey. And, and for me, it's like part of my, it's like I have to kind of feel it from the inside. That's one of the things that the school has really taught me is to, you know, I have, there is heart here. I can feel the heart in our field right now, the tenderness, the soreness, but also to develop my belly and the courage to kind of, and the confidence to, to dare to speak, to dare to look at my, my side and to speak, yeah. And then and curiosity. So for me, the big development has been, I call it the three C's, you know, the the compassion, the curiosity, and the, the courage, and feeling that in an embodied way. That's what I feel. So. Mm. But it's sweaty work. <laughs> it's it's tense work, it's painful work. It's like, oh gosh, yeah. There's there's work here. There's unconscious bias here. There's and what does that mean then for my realization? Because that's the thing, you know, that's what Amid is encouraging us. You know, it's not a political school, it's a freedom school. So it's like holding that, that tension. Yeah. Could you repeat those three C's again? <laughs> compassion from the heart yeah mm-hmm. and then the sort of, yeah. yeah and courage you know the courage to you know come forward the confidence the courage of the belly and then mm-hmm. the curiosity of the head yeah uh, wonderful yeah really yeah good. compassion courage curiosity yeah oh wow yeah it's, that's a really good uh like stairway to remember it yeah, yeah. To, and needing like you know I think I just did have some access to my heart from you know childhood from also pain from you know difficulty but to get the courage that was the thing to access it from the inside yeah and then then I could get curious but if you're not if they're not in tandem it's it's hard isn't it and the diamond approach i would say is the school that that really opened that doorways for me you know yes i i am a therapist i have trained as a therapist you know i have all that history but but the actual integration of the embodiment 
has come from the diamond approach, you know, the embodiment that then leads to a sort of being in the world in a different way. And for you, was it any particular element of the diamond approach that facilitated for that embodiment? Well, I think what it was, was that in terms of, you know, what attracted me to the diamond approach was, so I'm, I'm quite in the world. So it was, I'd see these people and I think, oh, you're kind of interesting. I like your openness. I'm curious about you. And then I would kept finding out, oh, they're studying the diamond approach. So it was, that was how I kind of came in. I came in from this kind of, oh, I'm interested here. But your question about what, what was your question again about the, what developed that? So, so yeah, what particular element of the diamond approach developed that? Because, uh, I'm, what, what I'm thinking of is the methodology, the methodology that includes meditation, inquiry, sensing practice. You also have uh, the teachings yeah. that can open into insight and understanding. It can be a combination, obviously, of these different elements. Usually it is. So I was wondering if there is any particular facet or element of the teaching that you felt. Uh, inquiry. Inquiry. inquiry you know yeah. just inquiry was the 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 calling really the calling to inquire the learning to crawl inside my experience and stay located in my actual experience and then that developed the kind of sensing practice and the belly practice you know but the the sort of interest was the inquiry you know the wanting to wanting to understand in an embodied way where where I where I needed to go, you know, what I needed to look at, you know, what, what was what was blocking me, you know, always, I'm always interested in that part. And then that opens me. Yeah, then that opens me. You know, so yeah, crawl inside your experience. I, I liked how you put that. There was it was such a transmission of embodiment right there. I feel. Mm. How did it touch you, Aileen? Yeah, I was like, oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Like, what is the block? You know, I was just like, oh, I just felt a a burst of uh, I wanted to inquire <laughs> about my blocks. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, we had amazing teaching in our seminary to really support that as well. You know, that that I think that phrase came from a teaching somewhere. Can you crawl inside your experience? You know, and I was like, oh, that got me, you know, it stayed in me. Yeah, so maybe we can talk a little bit about the process of actually digesting and crawling into our experience in everyday life because one thing that is clear to me in my own experience is that actually working with our psyche and making our unconscious conscious and actually working through the raw material in our psychology is a is is a challenging and can be a very difficult thing to do um 
And I know in my life, I've been fortunate enough to have times where I've had a lot of space with few demands so that I could dedicate a lot of my attention to my own inner processes and also having access to nature so that I could take contemplative walks, uh, introduction to meditation. Um, and I'm currently working at a school with sixth graders. And that is an extremely challenging environment to be in, I must say. I, I, I generally come home and I'm exhausted from being in that, in that space. I think that's connected to the institution of the school and, and the rigidity that I experienced there and how so much of the energy in the children is actually repressed systematically over many years of being in that system. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit because it's such an important part of spiritual development and human maturation. And I know that within the current theme or current spiritual lingo, we talk about waking up, growing up and showing up where waking up is a part of the awakening to our true nature and consciousness and um, essence and so forth, while the growing up has a lot to do with emotional development and mm. relational development. Uh, do you have any thoughts on 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 that process? And yeah, I mean, I think the flame comes through in like for in my location, the flame is is kind of fueled by also wanting to understand the psychodynamics and how they are embodied like that's the beauty of I think the diamond approach you know that it's not a transcendent path it's it it's a path in the world so that call me but what is also important about it is is that it is a big commitment like it's not it's it's a it's life-changing so you might have you you already have lots of life-changing experiences but the maturing in it is that kind of ongoing seven back like you know me talks about the pearl development you know it's a development it's not it it's it takes time so I think that is the attraction for me about the diamond approach I I just relaxed then I thought, okay, I, I'm, I don't have to rush here. It's going to unfold. But that's also a big commitment. You know, that's also a big commitment. Yeah. So it's, um, but I like, I like the calling of it, you know, the calling of that way of being in the world. And yeah, I get the stress. It does take time. It does take time. But I think as you, get more space things don't don't take as much out of you that's what I notice so you know I've my 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 work is particularly stressful you know it's particularly stressful my work outside the diamond approach but now it's like I the, the support of the teaching and the sitting back and the guidance that comes through from the sitting back actually means that there is more ease deals with the anxiety the the issues all of that is more ease and yeah can manage to live a fairly big life 
<laughs> in <laughs> with more ease. That's what I think it's really taught me. I'm thinking a little bit about what I feel the the teaching is kind of showing me right now. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to to share? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm currently going through a separation with the the father of my child. And there are so many different layers in this process that I'm observing. And one thing that I noticed, which I'm particularly I don't know if I would say proud, but that I'm like, it's okay, we can do this. It's one sensation, one one part of my ego or my fear or inner child that wasn't safe enough. The part of heartache when you know that this relationship isn't really working anymore. But I, when I was younger, I had two relationships in mind I really wanted to make them work I wanted to fix it and fix it so I would do it for many many months but this suffering would be there and this time since I've been doing my inner work now for a couple of years I didn't go into the oh I need to fix it to get this pain away yeah. I went into okay this obviously isn't working yeah. And it hurts, mm -hmm. and I'm not gonna try to fix it. Mm -hmm. And that little part of me that before had this very important job of keeping the relationship together, the little fixer, mm, yeah. it doesn't have a job anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I feel I'm like I see I'm laughing when I'm saying it. It's, it's, I mean, it's a bit humorous, but but also there's this like freedom. Oh, it's like no. I'm just going to sit here and let it happen. Yeah. Yeah, the difference between the suffering and the pain. So there's suffering in the trying to make it happen, keep it going, keep it going. And then there's just the pain, the heartache. And if we can sit and just allow the pain, it passes. It's a wave. Hmm. It's yeah. A wave. And what also supported me, I think it's written in Diamond Diamond Heart Book One, The Real Elements of Man, about love. Mm -hmm. That my understanding of love since being in the school has changed. When I was younger, you kind of fed in the media that, you know, you're being loved by someone. Someone else comes and loves you and therefore you feel loved. You know, you feel value, you feel specialness. And my understanding now is more like, no, it's it's my own love yeah. that I am ex like projecting on the other person and experiencing. And then as well, I don't have this terrifying fear of that I'm never going to be loved again because I'm already loving myself. It's it's me. I'm doing the job. And there's this, um, I would say, a big trust. I feel a trust talking about it now and calmness and... Uh, and like you said, you know, being able to live bigger and and easier, like to fully live. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's supporting you, the teaching right now, in this difficult time. 
yeah 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 mm-hmm. every waking hour <laughs> observing observing sitting grounding feeling the cat's <laughs> point <laughs> coming back when you don't you know <laughs> yeah Oops. realizing i'm about to run away okay sit down yeah sit down. <laughs> yeah do you have any particular journeys uh, Anne-Marie that you found challenging during your time of being a Diamond Approach student that you could share upon and how you went through that I I mean I, I definitely have had my fair share of trauma in my life um but it's with the combination of therapy and the diamond approach that i feel there was a metabolizing and that digestion but the one thing that is coming very strongly when you're is is the work with the judge really i think that you know i know i was really under attack from my superego most of my life on some level some of the, the you know some of the noise you know I'd be doing something but it was so for me the the teaching on really having a support to actually the practice of disengaging from the superego that has been revelatory in my life you know quietening the noise quietening the you know so that and there's been a constant work on that for me, you know, as a sort of like wanting the superego that wants to cap my aliveness, that tells me you're this, you're that, you're too much this way, too much that way. That that was a real player and keeping me out of my body, actually, and out of my calf. Because, you know, really, when we're in our calf, it's quieter in our head and the judge is quieter, you know, when we're sitting back here. But for me, that was really, really changed my inner landscape, the work on the judge. And that was slow, slow to really, to really face, to really grapple with, to, to sort of see how it was like this kind of, silent abusive relationship that was kind of inside me that was telling me I was bad or weak or wrong so really disengaging from that is so important in the work so important for students so important because it blocks presence really blocks presence so that's I would say it was a really big challenge and then suddenly it became less of a challenge. It's quite simple at a certain point. And you're like, something clicked a bit and it lost some grip. But I, I, it took a lot of work. And it'll still come, you know, that, that will still come, that voice. So I just think it's amazing contribution, the work on the inner critic, you know, mm-hmm. to our realization, to our development. And it's very specific in the school. That's one of the things I love about the teaching is the specificity of it. You know, like it's kind of, it goes in and you kind of work it. Whereas, you know, 
in in other trainings or other situations, you think, oh, I've got a judge or an inner critic, but there's no kind of map of how to work with it. So I love the map of how to work with it that the diamond approach has given me and my teachers have given me. Did you also read the the book Soul Without Shame? Oh, by yeah. Byron Brown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Again so and again. So for anyone listening, there's a book on the superego written by Byron Brown. If you wanted to to check that out, that lays it out quite clearly uh, and with certain practices and methods for disengaging the inner critic. And uh, what comes up for me when we speak about this is the re reclaiming the, the, the true inner authority mm. of oneself from the superego, from the inner critic and then reclaiming that inner authority so that one can stay grounded in one's experience as opposed to being pulled out by this coercive agent mm. that pulls you to the external yeah pulls us out or 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 takes or stops us breathing in our body so we tighten and we stop breathing and we we don't even realize you know what's happened and you're like oh okay yeah, so important that that um, the work on the judge and the inner critic, yeah. And I also feel that it, you know, like when you say about reading Byron Brown, it's like we need, because there's a relentlessness in the structure, we need to be practicing, 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 you know, like uh, there's a few teachings that I have listened to. I, I would say I had a particular teaching on like again and again and again and again and again to help me, to help me metabolize on a kind of deeper way how to manage here because it's it goes on and on. So our practice needs to be as, as uh, resolute in the disengaging. Because then you've got the super ego of your super ego, and you've got a kind of, you know, <laughs> it's just an orchestra that goes on, and it gets very subtle. It gets very subtle. And bringing in the subtleties, what I one thing I've noticed for me to be a part or a segment of the subtlety is the positive remarks, right? The, uh, yeah. the clap on the shoulder. You did a good job. Come on, you know, you're yeah. awesome. <laughs> Which can also yeah pull you towards the surface and and um i've been thinking about this because when i exercise and in certain situation i have this internal coach that is con connected to the archetypical athlete like the athletic part of my being that that is very geared towards performing well in different yeah. activities i had it in my childhood as well so recently or actually over the last couple of years i've i've been more acutely wanting to be aware of that part of me and also working with it which 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 is its own challenge i would say because it has this it has a different flavor than the critic that judges you and pushes you oh, down yeah. where you feel incredibly deficient and wrong and just contract on absolutely intensely Exactly. And remembering whenever we're comparing or evaluating, we're in the territory of the inner critic. 
like evaluate and we're doing that all the time you know am I speaking clearly now are you speaking clearly you know that's it's here you know it's 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 with us so it's to get rigorous around it but I feel excited about working with the judge and I I love working with students with with the inner critic and finding you know kind of different ways and you can't just go one way sometimes it needs kindness sometimes it's you know kindness is so important you know understanding you know movement that's another way of working with the judge you know like being really creative in our ways of working with disengaging you know noticing it comes when you've often in my experience if I've really opened I've really opened and I've kind of let go and I'm in this sort of, you know, boundlessness is around and I'm experiencing love and, and then shh, it comes, you know, it's like learning that, of, oh, there's expansion and con- contraction and that's okay. That's okay. Hmm. Yeah, I also learned from one of my teachers that when you're doing something you know expanding your spiritual self or whatever in that uh, line of of out then you can come to expect it you know you can come to expect the superego coming and saying like or the inner critic the the very stern coach trying to get you back into the previous status quo yeah. And that helped me a lot as well. And yeah. I think she said something like, yeah, if it's like standing there and holding the the bars, like you're in a prison, really shaking them, trying, then trying to scare you back, then you know you're going the right way. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> One thing I thought, uh, or feel moved to touch on both of you are parents and I know that you and Marie you have three children uh, if I heard you correctly and Elin you have a son of three and a half um, and I could you share a little bit about on your journey of being in the parent and doing this work and Marie well it's like where the rubber hits the road (laughs) you know like where you know that expression the rubber hits the road where it's like the nitty-gritty it's 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 like that's where it is for me it's like um it's challenging being in the work and being a parent like you know it was very challenging to my kids were very little when I was in in the school in the beginning and like you know it meant that I chose a group that was more weekend based because I, I couldn't leave them for so long, you know, so so there was a difference. So I was kind of, which meant I was kind of dipping in and out of the teaching. It was really practicing being with the teaching then back in my life, being with the teaching back in my life. And, you know, coming back from, you know, I would be traveling and coming back and then, you know, my kids having missed me. And of course they want to, they don't want to be 
you know, they're, they're happy to see you, but they're also, you know, fed up with you for leaving them. So you're managing that, you're managing, you know, developmental issues, whilst you're also working on your own development. So that's a kind of, that can be a, that can be a thread. It can also really help that you've got the capacity to be curious and to practice. Sometimes it's just hard. So that's how I found it. It was, you know, there were a few times that I, I remember my home retreat used to be around the time of my twin's birthday. And that was really hard, you know, having to juggle and decide and my passion for the teachings was very strong. My flame, my, my wanting to be immersed in the teaching has always been very strong, you know. So, you know, just kind of managing that, navigating. Yeah, I think it's hard. And I know it's harder for some people than it was for me, you know. Some of my friends had difficult experiences. Yeah. I don't know, Alan, how you're managing it. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> highest, highest am, I guess. Mm. But yeah, being away for like um, eight days with the comments actually with the travel is, is quite long. Yeah. Um, but I saw there's different groups now, it's like weekend groups and online groups so there's options but I think for me as a mother being aware of his essence and that I don't want to um, suffocate that mm -hmm. that is something that's supporting that like I don't have to be right all the time which I would rather see like that is the pattern in my family and how you kind of raise kids mm. I think yeah. and uh, and also is the fact that I know, like, if I if I practice patience, for example, if I practice that, then it becomes better, more enjoyable, and easier. Um, yeah. So there are, I mean, I I started my spiritual journey for real. It feels just a couple of months before I got pregnant, maybe two. Yeah. two months three months so for me i knew i was gonna bring the teaching mm. in in my <laughs> in my parental journey like yeah. i called my baby the sen baby because i was a lot into sen then but it was like yeah this is my sen baby and this is what we're gonna do um and a lot of my personal inquiries in the beginning were really focused around issues coming up to do with my children, to do with birth, to do with, you know, so there was very, there was something very potent and personal about them. They were very key in my development, you know. I remember, you know, definitely felt that my eldest was like, you know, how to articulate it. It was like I had to inquire to be to find me to be I had to inquire and so therefore then she I actually was closer to her and there was something about um being she doesn't speak so being with her 
you know, without words, that the inquiry process and the embodiment of the teaching really supported me with, you know. Yeah. And the mystery of her. It's kind of like a gateway to the mystery. Like our children are gateways to the mystery as well. You know. When we're when we're learning about the pearl and individuation and contact, and we're birthing our pearl, you know, and our kids are also doing their developmental journey. It it, it can be very touching. Hmm. Hmm. And also, and I also noticed for me, it's uh, can also be like a source of. Um, I would say the opposite, but um, my insecurity or like seeing my lackings, seeing my failing yeah. so clear because I'm present for it and being like, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing this in a way which feels really good. It hurts to talk about. <laughs> like I think it's called a mom shame or yeah. just parent shame in general. Um, yeah. And it's such kindness, but, isn't it? Hmm. Mm. yeah but uh, this is a great motivation for me because I have a responsibility now not just to myself like before I felt with the teaching now I feel more of a responsibility towards me and my journey in the world but in the beginning it was really my son it was like okay I have a responsibility this soul and and therefore also it became so important like I need to work on myself because I want to give him the best life possible um yeah and that's still true even if it's not the like this isn't why I'm doing it 100% anymore it has like evolved from that So you got two moms speaking there, was he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm functioning a little bit like a mom myself when I, when I work in school. To be fair, and yeah, so I can, I can relate to a lot what you're sharing. Um, recently, particularly this last week, I, I took over, a, or have been a, stepped into a, a six, sixth grader so 11 year old class and just for two weeks i'm a substitute teacher in that class and i just feel to be fair that the last couple of days i've just been feeling ah i'm not i'm not managing this i'm not able to hold this actually um and yeah that that has been a process to work through it's been um it was a challenging class. So when I got the prompt that, you know, they needed someone who uh, particular to, to take over the class and with the, with the circumstances and my skills and capacities. Yeah. I'm, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm succeeding. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm succeeding actually. Yet. <laughs> yet, 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 yet. Now, I I genuinely think that I don't have the I I don't think that I will be able to serve them the way they need in the long yeah. run. So, I sometimes not, you have to be objective about. Yeah, that. I'm not cut out for that. It's not yeah. my it's not my path uh, long term, <laughs> and also 
it requires, I mean, what I see and what I wish for any child uh, essentially is to have a teacher that is passionate and burns for that profession as their purpose, as their dharma. Mm-hmm. Um, and my purpose and dharma is much more linked to this type of work. Mm-hmm. So I step in there with, with everything that I have, um, but I'm not their primary school teacher. So there is a whole, there is a lot of complexity that goes with that. There is a lot of complexity, but uh, I just wanted to add that, you know, personally, how I can relate to (laughs) what we're talking about. And I, I mean, I've been a teacher. I was a teacher before, you know, a secondary school teacher. And now I teach psychotherapy trainees to be therapists and and now you know recently I'm a Ridwan teacher so teaching is is very in different threads very much part of my um my life in in my calling but I was when I was listening to you Ellen what I was thinking is and you will see is that one of the real gifts for me about the diamond approach has been understanding things like anger and like understanding that, you know, it's normally a little one who's really angry. And if you allow the energy and not the content, the strength comes and the aliveness comes. So there's a way that the teaching has held me like under, you know, the Latifa understanding them has helped me be in the kind of maelstrom of both at times teaching when it's really difficult and parenting that's really different you know getting to the source of the essence as you were saying the essence of it but yeah that's really helped me mm. whereas I think if I hadn't had the teaching and then you know I, I was kind of for a long time I, I would shy away from anger you know oh no that remind you know rather than be with it be with the strength be with the aliveness Mm. yeah that's a nugget of wisdom right there allow the energy without getting sucked into the content so yeah. that that level of embodiment it's uh it's a, that's a deep practice that's a very yeah. deep practice that will expand the soul's capacity to both be with with, with in, in presence and also expand the soul in that power and yeah. that actualization yeah yeah, it's, it's like the fundamental of the work on the Latifa, isn't it? You know, the, the transformation of the energy, yeah. you know, the hatred transformation, you know, transforming into power, you know, anger into strength. Like that's, it's amazing. Mm. That can really change the world. True. True. Yeah. So. I enjoyed the, the field we are having here tonight. We said it in the beginning, but there's a there's a depth and a gentleness and it's uh, soft, very calm but also very, very here and now for me. 
what is it like for for the two of you? I want to bring in um, also the passion that I feel. And Anne-Marie, I, I really feel you in your passion for this work uh, coming through in such a beautiful and potent way and, and the emphasis on embodiment. So I, 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 I feel this very, both this tree extending upwards, but also the earth, the rootedness mm -hmm. in the earth and that communicates through your whole being in in what you share and and uh, i also feel your heart you know that there's such a genuine caring for humanity and uh, uh again genuine love for the work that i feel coming through and and all these aspects that we're mentioning both the the love, the gentleness, and we have the depth, and then also the vigor, <clears throat> the courage, and the passion in a very beautiful combination that I feel creates this well-rounded field um, of richness. Yeah, I mean, I feel that the diamond approach has let me have my passion. You know, I think my passion was capped. My love was capped, and um, I don't feel that. So I feel very um, passionate and heartful, but it's more grounded now. So that's it's more, I don't have to go out there so much anymore. It's here, you know, it's here. And, you know, also to sit back and be in the mystery and the aloneness, but I do feel the field the heart, you know, between us as we're sharing. So it's pleasurable actually to sit with you both. Mm. Warm, like it's a little, you know, my temperatures are also a bit warm. Mm. Like potent stuff when you say that what comes up for me is actually that 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 warmth is i feel it's linked to a particular type of warmth which is the warmth of inclusivity it brings me back to what you shared in the beginning how you really appreciate the diversity in the space both me and my heritage uh, and then also alien being a mother and you you have different age generations generations of age here so i feel the warmth of that inclusivity as we speak and, and i also feel the pleasure of i could just sit here in silence stillness and, and just enjoy and explore we're not doing that first and foremost because there is a whole engagement happening here but that's something i really love to do so the silences we have here i'm now also speaking to the audience i mean that that's really a time for relaxation in, in my experience of it and just both inquiry and sensitivity and simply sensing what's what's happening what's alive in my body what's alive in in the field what's alive in my environment what's what's going on in my my consciousness and you know just openly discovering the moment uh, without any agenda or need to 
do or interfere or change or produce, but just this open receptivity. Yeah. Mm, there's something comfortable in the silence. There's a lot of heart in it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I think because of the things you just mentioned, Vasi, it also feels such um, privilege comes to her. The word privilege comes to mind for me to sit here with the two of you just being and exploring, but also just, just being in the, the quality of that. It uh, it amazes me as well. I mean, it's, we're in three different countries. It's over Zoom, but still, there's this field. Mm. And yeah, very very enjoyable. Yeah, I, I saw that silence. You... Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. Just Please. saying, I feel the silence. I feel the heat. And the warmth, you know, feel the warmth and the love, yeah, the meeting and the love. Mm. And, I, and I feel that paradox of, you know, also the um, the passion, you know, I think I, you asked for a piece of music and I set, set a passionate song <laughs> because it's, it's sort of like both are, both are true, the silence. The stillness, the quiet, and the passion. Mm. That's what I feel both. And that was just what I was going to say. The thing is, due to the copyright issues, we're not longer having songs on the podcast, unfortunately. Oh. Um, so, yeah, that's just how it is. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I enjoy choosing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, and what I will do is on in the show notes, I'll upload the song so that anyone listening can listen to the song after the podcast if they feel moved. Yeah. Yeah, because I have the link. Will I say anything about it? Ah, if you want to. Just a tiny bit. So it's called Nina Cries Power. And why I chose it is, is because it's by Hozier, who is a, who is a Irish artist. So, and, and it's based on, you know, the civil rights movement. Like he's calling the names of the, the, the important people in the American civil rights movement. And there's this Mabel who's singing this black woman. And so for me, it's, it's like a marriage of of my kind of roots of um including and abiding thank you for that i want to listen to the song <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah mm. that power really we're we're really sitting with the power to be right now 
Amen. Mm. Yeah, what a joy to meet you, Anna Marie, and so beautiful as always, Aileen, to, to co create this with you. Mm. you such too, a unique, deep wisdom that's come through today, Anna Marie. I truly appreciate your pearly expression and everything you bring to the school and to, to this field. So I, I, I feel a sense of gratitude in my heart for, for this conversation, and, and I'm very happy to have met you in this way, in this personal way. Yeah, I feel really happy to have met you both and to, to be on this journey together in this deep teaching. Yeah. yeah I look forward to sharing it with the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and whoever it may touch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, if anyone feels moved, can they contact you and Marie? Uh, sure. For sessions and yeah. stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm um, based in London, and I'm um, one of the assistant teachers in the Diamond Heart UK group, which is a London a mixture of Zoom and in person group. So yeah. Yeah, make an email. Wonderful. And that's that group is still open. It's the newest it's still group. Open, yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, wonderful. Thank you to all the listeners who tuned in. And as always, much love. <laughs>